Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. Your one-stop shop for all of past week's Rockies news, updates, conjecture, hot takes, bad takes, cold takes, every take imaginable. As always, my name is Mac Wilcox, and I am the uh, voice of the at least beginning segment of this year podcast. And as always, I am joined by my associates, Evan Lang. How's it going? And Skylar Timmons. I prefer Tomatillo takes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not quite scorching, but just like spicy enough, right? A little yeah. bit. Like medium. As with last week. Yeah, just like medium heat <laughs> takes. We don't want them to get too, too fired up. But if you want spicy takes, then we've got just the guy for you. Same as last week, we had a special guest on. We were lucky to be joined by Kenneth Weber. This week, we have another member of our Purple Rose staff, and that is Eric. I'm going to do my best here because you told me how to pronounce it. I'm going for it here. Eric Fiel, what's up, man? That's a perfect pronunciation. How are we? Boom. That's the professionalism y'all came to hear is me having a mild panic attack when I try to remember how to say someone's name. Thanks for having uh, the time to speak with us today, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for letting me in. Like you said, uh, the bar has been set for spicy takes, so I'll do my best. <laughs> totally. Uh, this is Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row hosted podcast. Purple Row is the Rockies affiliation of SB Nation. Like I said, We've got all kinds of Rockies news, updates, and all that good stuff you came to hear every single week like you do. 
And if you listen to us every single week, like you should be doing, then you'll know that we start every single episode off with a bit of an icebreaker. The one this week that I have decided to present to these fine gentlemen is every baseball fan has a guy. What's a guy? A guy is defined as someone who maybe was not the all-star, maybe not the team leader, maybe not uh, an above-average player, but just an average, maybe even below-average guy. But even so, he holds a special place in your heart. This, this player, despite all the hardships, will always have a place in your heart and your mind. So asking all three of you, I'll start with our newcomer, Eric. Who is your guy in Rockies or baseball history? Well, sticking to the Rockies, I felt like to, to have a guy, he needed to have been with the team more than once. That seems to be the, the trend with the Rockies. So I, I'm going with Josh uh, Rutledge. If only because oh, yeah. when he first came up, I thought, you know, he, he came up in 2012 when, when Tulowitzki got hurt. And it was like, okay, maybe we got something here. Uh, in, in, in his first 145 at-bats, he was hitting 345. Uh, mm. Then he got hurt. And then, you know, he, he played another two seasons with the team, 105 games in 2014. Never really never really got it going. Uh, bounced around a little bit in Anaheim, a little bit with the Red Sox. Back to the Rockies, but only was in, uh, was in AAA there. Uh, back with the Red Sox and uh, was done by 2017. But he's, he's my guy for today. Why is he your guy? I Probably because I got so excited for him like it was with, with Tulo okay he was always going to be obviously the starter and until things fell apart there which we don't need to go sure. into uh but I just you know he came up came up hot I would have been I was about 15 then so it was like okay I was just getting excited you know this new guy comes in starts hitting the ball well I'm like oh he's going to be a star it's impossible things might turn for the worse I was naive I was wrong but from, from that kind of first stint, I was like, all right, I like him. And that was maybe a mistake. <laughs> I dig it. My uh, horrible hot take, we talk about hot takes at the start, but just a quick aside, I had a hot take when I was watching the Rockets that time period where I was like, no way can DJ LeMahieu replace Josh Rutledge. Josh <laughs> Rutledge has all the tools. He's going to be an all-star. Bro, yeah, how about that? That has aged extraordinarily badly. Evan, who's your guy? So I live off of having my guys. I have so many throughout Rockies history just because you know, I've always followed the Rockies really closely, and there's always, you know, those one or two guys that are not our all-stars, but I just have an incredible deal of affection over. Like on this current team, it's, you know, Garrett Hampson, who, you know, he's not really going to ever knock your socks off that much, but I really love him. But Sure. And then I think everybody's probably one of the more popular the guys in team history has got to be Spilly when Ryan Spilly gets Spillborgs. But mm-hmm. for me, I had to narrow it down between two, and he was either going to be relief pitcher Mike Dijon or utility man Terry Shumpert. And I'm going with Terry Shumpert. I freaking loved Terry Shumpert. I thought he was so cool. He was always had a super infectious attitude out on the field. He played pretty much every position except for catcher and pitcher while he was with the Rockies. He just was like an overall utility guy. He was that super utility man where you could slot him in everywhere. And he had his best season in 99 
where in 92 games he put up a uh, B-War of 2.4, and he just was... He was really good that year. He slashed 347, 413, 584. He hit 10 home runs. He hit three triples and 26 doubles. He was cool. I I liked him so much. Um, one of my favorite guys. That's awesome. And uh, fun fact for him, he is a relative of Mookie Betts. Wait, really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, they They tend to shorten it as that he's Mookie's uncle. But I think technically they're like some variety of cousin. That's crazy. I would never have known that. Okay, cool. That is a fun fact. Huh. Informational. Skyler, who's your guy? Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a hard one to try and narrow it down because, like I said, there's so many uh, that I've had throughout the years. And, you know, I've liked the, the random the randos that like played one or two seasons like the Ty Wiggingtons, the Melvin Moras. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh and then but I kind of narrowed it down. There was two that I had to try and pick from. Uh one was my good buddy Jonathan Herrera. I love little <laughs> Johnny Sparkplug. <laughs> yeah. Uh but the guy that I went with uh he wasn't awful. Um but he was like we're saying just kind of average but average, but always came up clutch was Mr. Late Night himself, Seth Smith. Yeah. Oh, totally. Great yeah. pick. Totally. Because Seth Smith was just the homie. Because uh, he wasn't that big personality. Like, I don't know if in all the years of him being on the Rockies that I ever heard him talk. <laughs> or very few times ever heard him speak. Mm-hmm. But I, I just remember him in those 2009, um, 2010 seasons. Even 2011, just... Every time, seventh inning or later, Seth Smith's coming up. He's hitting a bomb either to put you ahead or win the game for you. Mm-hmm. And just solid dude. And looking at his stats here, I was surprised because I always remembered him just being like this power hitter. He's never hit more than 20 home runs in his career in a season. But with the Rockies, just always coming up clutch in the big spot. I was always sad when when he was sent away when we lost him, but – no, he was my dude. Always loved him. That's awesome. But, because, but trading away Seth Smith, we got Guillermo Moscoso and Josh Outman for that 2012 team. Josh Outman. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Nice return. <laughs> oh, that 2012 team is just a litany of names <laughs> that you do not remember. Josh Outman. That's, yeah, Josh Outman was a, a big, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, big old uh, red beard, right? Big old uh, redhead. Or am I wrong about that? No, he yeah, he was a redheaded yeah. lefty reliever that became one of our best starters. <laughs> yeah, I always remember him having that big old red beard, man. It always stuck out to me. Um, sort of like y'all are saying, my guy is not an above average guy. He's not terrible, and he only played with the Rockies for a couple seasons. But mine's always been Brandon Barnes. I loved his energy. Uh, one of the like defining moments in baseball, in my baseball like life, was his uh, inside the park. Um, ninth inning game winner against the Giants in San Francisco. It's such a hype moment. I watch that replay every couple days to get like amped up before I do something, like a match or whatever. It's so awesome. I love Brandon Barnes. I saw him hit an inside the park home run a couple days later live. Uh, he is just such a fun guy to watch play. I know he hasn't done much recently, but he's great. And I will always have a special place in my heart for Brandon Barnes. He's, he's my guy. Um, so, 
on Twitter, we always post the icebreaker. Let us know who your guy is. We want to know which player in Rockies. We all mentioned Rockies, but if you guys have players from across the league that you have as a guy, let us know. I mean, we always want to hear from y'all. Uh, give us your, you know, reasoning why you have these guys in your stable. Cool. Appreciate you guys going through that with us. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty as we do every single week. And we're starting off with sort of a situation that is very complex. Uh, unfortunately, we have a lot of those uh, in the past couple of seasons. This one specifically involving a trade that uh, did not happen. As we talked about at length last mo- uh, week, we had a trade deadline of very little consequence for the Rockies, or at least in the immediate future, very little consequence. We had an expectation that players like John Gray and Trevor Story would be moved, and they did not. Well, it turns out that the next day or you know, the, that evening, we would have some comments coming out about the situation from Trevor Story, from some of the front office staff. Some time has passed. I don't want to get too heavily into it because we do have some other things to cover today. But I want to kind of just have an open floor for whoever wants to start, and then we can all kind of just discuss the Trevor Story situation. Removed himself from the lineup, or it seems to have removed himself from the lineup the next uh, game that they played. Now he's really back in on a tear. He's hit a couple home runs this week. Is this Trevor Story situation resolved? Is it past us? What is the aftermath, in your opinion? Open floor, whoever wants to take the lead on this. I can, I can jump in. I think... For me, with with this one, it was a little bit surprising to me how he reacted, asked to be pulled out of the lineup. I, I definitely get it's frustrating, and I unfortunately also think he kind of should have expected that with the with the front office. I You never know what was going on behind closed doors, right? I don't know if he was told he'd get traded and he obviously didn't, or if he was just basing it off the fact that it probably would have made the most sense to have traded him. Uh, but I, I do think at that point, he isn't traded. He knows he's got two months here, maybe more, but all signs kind of point to him leaving, right? I appreciate how he's responded since, but I, I did think, man, you still have two months with the team. It's not a great look to pull yourself out because you're upset you didn't get traded. Like Even if you wanted to play for a competing team, you you have to think he likes the guys he plays with. He likes his teammates. Um, and so I, di- I didn't think it was a great look. I think the way he's responded since, though, he, it's like you can put that behind because he's, he's really come out and, and been kind of, you know, what we expect of him and, and having a good time, which I appreciate because that's, that's all he can do now, right? right. He's not going to end up on a competing team this year. So you got to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything from uh, Evan or Skyler? So... I was not actually terribly surprised. I was a little bit surprised um, with how things went down when he had himself pulled from the lineup. Um, I can understand it maybe not being the best look, but I can also understand, you know, how frustrating and stressful that whole day must have been for him where, you know, you need to maybe not play and get your head on straight if you're not going to be able to have your whole head in the game for the entire game. And I made some comments about it on on Twitter and with some of our other writers where he eventually did, he was at the stadium and he eventually did come out into the dugout to be with his teammates. But when he first got out there, just the look on his face was that of a guy who wanted to be literally anywhere else. He did not look happy. He 
honestly, to me, it looked like in uh, a couple pictures he might have been, you know, crying a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's tough to say. But I really can't blame him that much for wanting to take himself out if he couldn't have his head in the game. But when he came up into the dugout, uh, after a little bit, he got a bunch of, you know, affection from his teammates. Ryan McMahon gave him a big old hug. And then since then, he's really been back in it. And he's been, you know, playing hard. He's been playing well with his teammates. He watched the game uh, yesterday, the series finale against the Cubs, where he hit two home runs. You know, he was smiling. He was having a good time. He was talking about... Uh, having fun with his teammates, Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers and Sam Hilliard. And so I think now he's prepared to just, you know, make the most of it until the end of the season. There, There's really not much else he can do. The Rockies will extend him a qualifying offer, and he'll likely decline, and the Rockies will take a comp pick unless he really wants to uh, throw a wrench in their plants and accept the qualifying offer as a one-year prove-it deal to see if he can have Boy. a... better season than this year that would be a wild timeline it would be that would screw up the Rockies plans a great deal if he were to do that but also it would make sense for him to do it because he's having a bit of a down year this year sure um he could definitely sign the the qualifying offer and have a one-year prove it kind of thing of uh hey last year wasn't really what I'm all about look at this year and this is what really the kind of player I am especially because the market's going to be a little weird um, for shortstops and stuff mm-hmm. during the off season, so we'll see. But I think I think his head's in it for the long haul for the rest of this season, and I think that's what matters. Boy, we have not even discussed the option or the possibility of Trevor Story to resign. That would be something that would shake up everything we've talked about to this point. That's a really interesting point. That's a really interesting point, Skyler. I. I th- the whole situation that I saw is it was funny because we got to see two different sides of this type of thing. You had John Gray who wants to be a Rocky and you know, was saying, "Oh, I hope I don't get traded." You know, and they they realized that and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna resign him." Well, he's off the table, so he gets his wish. Whereas on the other hand, you had a guy who wanted basically wanted to leave. Uh, we could tell the team's not going anywhere. You know, we're out of contention. He's on his walk here. Could go benefit somewhere else. Oh, mm-hmm. And for the fact for that the Rockies you know, hold on to him, you know, that can be a big blow for a guy. And seeing all the different articles and stuff, getting that feeling of, you know, I can't imagine what it's like being this top player and you know the uncertainty of where am I going to be playing you know, come August 1st. Yeah. Whatever, I don't know where I'm going to be. I can bet that that is a big mental toll on somebody. Sure. Uh, to hear all the, your name swirled around with all these rumors and you know, the front office kind of keeping you in the loop, but I can assume that the communication wasn't very good uh, with the Rockies in the front office, in the front office and with Trevor Story, just as what we've seen in the past. And that's a big, <laughs> big criticism that we get with the Rockies, that the communication is awful. And so for that trade deadline to come, Come and go in story, you know, probably getting told. You know, they're like, yeah, we're not trading you. We're going to go for the comp right. pick. We value that more. Uh, we think that's more valuable than what we were offered for you. Oh, and that could be a blow, you know, where it's been built up and you're assuming that I'm going to get traded somewhere else and then get those expectations shattered 
Oh, it can be a big toll, and I can understand why Story would be upset about that. And being in that mental space, want to withdraw from the lineup that day. Oh, just like what we saw in the Olympics with Simone Biles, just not in the right mindset for an event. And so putting the team first and kind of pulling yourself out to get yourself in the right mindset again. And you know, I can understand what Story did. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like a good look when it's kind of last minute of like, yeah, I'm pulling out, take me out of the lineup. And then just mm-hmm. look as miserable as possible in the dugout. You know, but him then coming out and just nice seeing in the game where he's you know, having fun in the dugout, the teammates. You know, the guys there love him. And the Rockies, the players team, is different than the Rockies, the organization. And so it's always good to remember that difference to the players on the field and whatnot. They're human beings, and you know, they have those feelings, and they have their ideas of what, they feel like should happen and what should go on but ultimately it's it's the guys upstairs making the decisions that yep. really impact and you know, I can't imagine all that mental strife that comes with being a baseball player being a baseball players hard enough mentally and physically and then add in that in uncertainty and the great unknown rough time but and it really is crazy just how much it's clear that these younger guys admire and look up to him Brendan Rodgers Ryan McMahon and, and Sam Hilliard and some of the other guys, it's very clear that they all love him a great deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps a lot for his mindset for the rest of the season, too. It's like, yeah, I didn't get moved, but I'm, I'm, I'm at least with these guys. I'm playing with these guys who want to have fun and appreciate me and respect me. Sure. Especially when it's like a season that is more or less like in the sense of like playoff hopes. It's a loss season, right? We know that. But it is, like, these relationships are still being built. And there's, we've said it many times throughout the last few weeks as we've done this podcast that we're in this very transitionary period for the Rockies organization. And as guys like Trevor Story and potentially John Gray and them are on their way out, they are leaving behind sort of the expectation for some of these younger guys, like you just mentioned, Brendan Rogers and some of these other cats with him. And it is interesting to see how those relationships are still being cultivated despite such a turbulent time as the trade deadline. So, yeah, I like it. This obviously, as with so many other things, is going to be a story we're going to keep an eye on, um, or it might be done with. It might just be something that is done with, and we will just get to the end of the season, and where story goes, story goes. But we're not at the end of the season yet. We are now in August, meaning we have to decide on our position player and pitcher of the month. We did this for June. We're going to keep on doing it for July. So July was a decent month for the Rockies. They held their own against some of the tougher teams in the league. So easy enough question for all y'all. Who is your position player and who is your uh, pitcher for the month of July? So I, for position player, I have it narrowed down to two guys. And I'm willing to bet one of these guys is going to be a very common opinion here. So I'm going to go with the other one, and I'm going to put my position player of the month of July as Ryan McMahon. Hmm. Uh, Ryan McMahon really did not have a good month of June. He struggled a lot. He really just wasn't playing up to what we knew he could, especially after the torrid April and May he had where he was hitting home runs and he was doing really well. But then in June... Didn't hit much at all. He only hit three home runs in the entire month of June. He was slashing 211, 276, 395. 
and he was striking out way more. Right. And he just was really slumping compared to what we knew he could do. The whole time he was playing excellent defense, but then his bat just wasn't up to snuff. But then in July, he really, really turned it around, where his power is still not quite back to what we know it can be. In the whole month of July, he only had one home run uh, and uh, five doubles. But he got his slash up to 319, 430, 431, in 72 at-bats, 86 plate appearances. He only struck out 18 times compared to the 30-something he did in June, and walked 12 times, so he's walking almost as much as he was striking out, Mm -hmm. and he just looked so much more comfortable and dialed in at the plate compared to what he had been, and then you top that off with the absolutely incredible defense he's been playing, both at second and third base, where by uh, DRS, he is the best defender in baseball right now, that he, I think for me at least, is my position player of the month of July. I like that. Pretty good pick, man. And, yeah, I think we might have another position player in mind, but got to give Ryan McMahon his flowers because he has done a nice job. Eric Schuyler, who's your position player? Yeah, I'm a, I'll jump in, and I'm afraid I'm going to take the, the expected one here. I, I was also a little bit between two and trying to find someone who would have been a bit more off the radar, but it, it felt tough not to go with Elias Diaz for me. Just, I mean, seven home mm. runs in a month in and of itself is, is pretty impressive. And it, it does seem like with him, when he, when he gets hot, he gets hot. I mean, four of those came. They were consecutive. It was two home runs to start off the month, back-to-back games, home runs and back-to-back games to end the month. Nice little bookends there. I mean, the batting average, it's only at 212 at the end of the month. Still not great, but that's up from 194. Slugging from 343 to 414. Uh, and the OPS from 617 uh, almost up to 7, so point six nine seven. I think, you know, yeah, big big jumps, jumps all across the board. And I feel like, yeah, when you don't have Trevor Story mashing like he, he's known, Charlie Blackman was actually going to be kind of my other my other option. He got a little better, but there's there's no standout candidate really otherwise. So I think almost on, on home runs alone for Elias Diaz, he just kind of kind of led the charge there. A good month, like we mentioned, for the team, and, and that was a big part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Diaz is a pretty safe pick. Skyler, you got a dark horse, or is Diaz your guy? No, it's back to Diaz just because it's, it's just so nice because you know, I realized with his time with the Pirates you know, that I knew he had that offensive potential, and we saw a little bit of it last year in 2020 uh, and even in spring training this year. But then when the season started, it just disappeared and he looked you know, really struggling at the plate. And you know, that's why Dom Nunez for a while was the primary catcher behind the plate. But then sure. his, his offense started to teeter off. And then Diaz was able to, to step in and start taking up more of that you know, everyday starting role. And it's starting to pay off, especially in that month of July. No, seven home runs. No, offensive numbers from catchers in the Rockies usually don't go in the same sentence. Exactly right. Good offensive numbers. No, but throughout that month of July, he had, he hit 279 in the month of July, and no, had his seven home runs, slugging 632. I had a 138 wins created plus or runs created plus, and no, it was just 
fantastic to see him kind of have that offensive explosion and he'll really help propel that bottom half of the lineup and really spark the team as a whole of hitting more home runs, something they've kind of been missing. Uh, and it's just nice to see guys hitting home runs. And then add on top of that, just his stellar defense behind the plate. That uh, is absolutely true. Yep. That's something that he's had all season. Uh, just a cannon. That's what's carried him. Mostly he's just gunning down runners, which is one of my favorite things to see is just those snap throws down to second or even down to third on a bunt play, picking up and wheeling and firing. Just stellar defense, and it, it's gone a long way. And you know, it was just nice to see him have a, a really good month. And so far in the early part of June or August, I don't know what month it is, in August, <laughs> continuing that trend still. So it'll, it'll be good to see. It's good to see him having that success after a rough first couple of months. Definitely. Very rough first couple of months. And I would also have to say that Elias Diaz is my pick. I'm really glad you mentioned the defense, Skyler, because that is something that's a bit unheralded for him. You know, you talk about these elite catchers, and maybe he's not quite there yet, right? He's still got a ways to learn. But I think that it has been very cool to see a player of his caliber really take some steps forward. And, I mean, this is a huge output for him recently. I mean, you mentioned how in the early months of the season, April, May, really, really struggling with the plate, struggling a bit behind the dish too. Now he's putting it together certainly at the dish, absolutely crushing baseballs, but he's also put together behind the plate as well. And I think that's really awesome to see that progression from a player that, like I think we all kind of alluded to, like we have, we think he could do that. We think he could be that guy. To see him putting the pieces together, that's fantastic. That's what the season's all about, is letting these guys really develop and learn. And then, now, who is the one throwing to LSDS? Who is y'all's pitcher of the month for July? Uh, I guess I'll go first again with this one. Real quick, I wanted to say one more thing about Elias Diaz before saying my pitcher of the month is I think his increased offensive production is actually helping him with his behind-the-plate defense because if you're feeling confident in one part of your game, that's going to move over to different parts. Great point. And earlier in the season especially, um, first month or two, his framing wasn't very good. Yeah. His defense was kind of blah. And, you know, from April 1st to June 29th, he was hitting 177 with an on-base percentage of 260 and a slugging percentage of 300. He was really, really struggling. And I think that affected his play behind the plate because if you're struggling in one aspect, like if you're confident in one aspect, it hurts your confidence and it can cause you to struggle in other areas. So I think this is so, this is so, so good for him. And I am really, really happy to see it. And it really is. I didn't name him as my player of the month specifically, just because I knew that y'all were probably going to pick Elias Diaz, but that's just something I wanted to say about him on the matter. No, and totally. then my pitcher of the month, the Colorado kid, Kyle Freeland. Yeah. Kyle Freeland in five starts in the month of July struck out 20 and only walked six, only allowed eight earned runs. And this is over 30 innings with an ERA of 240, batting mm. average against of 250. Mm-hmm. He looked so, he's looked so good. He only had one shortened outing in the month of um, July, and that was because of the development of that blister on his throwing arm. But he was throwing quick, efficient outings. Yep. Yep. He had 
pardon me, he had one, two, three, he had four quality starts of his five total starts in the month of July, and in none of those games did he go over 100 pitches, and in three of them he didn't go over 90, and in two of right. them he didn't go over 80. Right. His, uh, his shortened start on July 9th, he only threw 64 pitches, and the only reason he didn't keep going was because he had that sort of hot spot developing sure. on his pitching hand. Uh, but then his next start after that, on July 17th, he made it through six innings and only threw 76 pitches. He's just been really solid, and I think now he's finally, we've said this before, getting his mojo back after coming off of the IL. I think June was his adjustment month, and then July and August so far, he's been really, really solid. He's been getting more strikeouts. He's not been walking as many he's he's looked great he's only allowed only allowed two home runs in the entire month of july he's got to be my guy he as much as i love herman he did pitch better than herman in the month of um in the month of july and in only like one and one third less innings that efficiency is so critical to top flight starting pitching isn't it the strikeouts are obviously the sexy stat but that kind of efficiency evan you did a great great time mentioning all the pitches uh, he's thrown. It's just as important the pitches he did not have to throw, right? And that kind of pitch count is going to let a guy get deeper and deeper in these games, which we've seen through the month of June. So it is awesome to see him finally get back to his we believe to be elite self um, in the month of July. Uh, let's go with Skyler next. What do you got? Who's your pitcher? So I, I mentioned this in our Slack before that my pitcher was kind of between a few guys. One of them was Kyle Freeland, who did have a fabulous month of July uh if you were strictly looking at his win-loss record you wouldn't think so but he got no run support yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I think True he was like oh and four in the month of July <laughs> but uh but since Evan went with Kyle Freeland I one that really stuck on was the gray wolf himself yeah uh, Mr. John Gray who had continued a fabulous season and had yet another Fabulous month, a 2.97 ERA in the month of July. Uh, had four home runs that he gave up, only 10 runs allowed in the month. Uh, struck out 30, issued 12 walks. Just very, you know, the same John Gray that we've had all month, had all season. But the one that's really stuck out to me still is the batting average against him. Is still in the month of July was sitting at 2.07, and just. Very efficient, overpowering, and just a dominant John Gray. And Absolutely. You know, add in the fact that he's a pitcher who actually vocally came out and said, I want to stay in Colorado. Uh, that right there wins you pitcher of the month. <laughs> because yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's rare to find a guy that wants to come to Colorado and pitch. And we found one John Gray, and uh, he's continued a great month. And uh, it, it's good for him to finally find himself and you know, everything that he's battled with mentally and everything throughout his big league career, you know, to find himself in a spot that he is now to succeed is just wonderful to see. And, you know, he gets me a lot of points for my fantasy team, which is helpful. So, <laughs> <laughs> Always uh, always beneficial to have that. That's a good pick, John Gray, man. Under, under uh, uh, I guess, not as heralded as some of the other guys on the team that have been doing a really nice job lately. 
Eric, who's your pitcher? Yeah, I'll keep it pretty short because I was also going to go with Kyle Freeland. Just the, the few things I want to point out. I mean, he had a, a 2.4 ERA in the month of July across five starts. And the runs he got in support those days, two in the first game, two in the next, two in the next, one in the one after. Or, sorry, zero in that one. Excuse me. They lost one zero. He gave up one. They mm-hmm. lost one zero. And then zero in the in the last start. So that's... I mean, that sounds like Jacob deGrom, right? You, you give up no runs <laughs> yeah, and you get absolutely exactly. no support. So it's it's hard to pick against Kyle Freeland with that. But, yeah, the 0-4 is, is really something. But that's tough break for him because he was pitching out of his mind. Yep, absolutely. Great picks. Kyle Freeland, uh, John Gray, two, again, core pitching uh, parts of the Rockies' future. Seeing them having great months like this after some struggles they were encountering this season awesome to see hopefully keep you going what about you mac i am going to give y'all a dark horse here uh i'm gonna go with jolie's chassis i think that we all agreed when he was signed and brought up at the start of the season it wasn't necessarily the the hottest signing that the rockies have made recently it was a bit of an eye roll i think to a lot of people um he was very vocal about how he wanted to come back to the rockies organization he said that he felt like home that's fantastic Love that kind of energy. That's great. But is it going to translate on the field? At the start of the season, it most certainly did not translate to the start uh, onto the field. Some really rough outings out of the bullpen. Um, you know, he had a rough start at one point. He was filling in for one of the injured rotation members. He has not given up a run in a month. I mean, you know, I know he has not seen all of these innings as as guys like Freeland and Gray have, but. Jolie's Chassin has not given up a run a run in a month, and he has looked so much better recently. Uh, he has become a reliable part of uh, admittedly shaky bullpen. I think that he is really starting to make an impact, and I am wondering, okay, is this someone that we should keep around? Is Jolie's Chassin going to end up being a, if not integral, at least a competitive part of the Rockies bullpen in the future. So that's my guy for right now, at the very least. I hope he keeps it going. I'm a big fan of his energy and a big fan of his positivity. I'd love to see Chassin continue to take these steps forward. Let's go ahead and take an ad break here. We can go for a minute. we got a lot more Rockies news. We come back, we're going to keep talking about Jolie's Chassin. We're going to talk some more about uh, the Olympic baseball situation, which we got into last week. We're going to talk about some more uniform talk. We know y'all love that. And then, of course, we always got to talk about the 2022 schedule. We're going to get into what that looks like for the Rockies, what that means uh, for next season. So stick around for this ad break. We'll catch you when we're back. And we are back to Affected by Altitude. Appreciate you sticking with us through that ad break. Before the ad break, we discussed the comeback of one Jolie's Chassin. We're going to keep talking about that very subject. Like I alluded to, Jolie's Chassin has pitched very well as of late at the Rockies bullpen. A signing that was made at the start of the season that was not, you know, met with a lot of fanfare, but has really started to pay some dividends for the Rockies. Not looking for an essay here from any of y'all gentlemen, but just a quick touch base. Jolie's Chassin, you happy with it? Is it sustainable? Do you think it's something that they could hang on to for the future? Just where are you at on Jolie's Chassin and his recent researches of his? Start with Eric. You know... I'm going to keep it, uh, I guess, not a statistical and honestly not so much a baseball analysis in the sense of I would almost be not thrilled with it because I think it gives the front office confidence that, hey, bringing back old guys works. And I don't know, oh, I don't know if they need more that of that. I, a great you know, point. I think 
you look through the years, <laughs> all true. the people they bring back, it's you know, it's really their strategy. So now, now they're like, hey, look at this, look what we got here, we got a winner, and it works. And I hope mm-hmm. they don't use that too much going forward. But I mean, hey, for the Rockies right now, it's great. I love it. You can't can't go wrong. But maybe not something you lean into too heavily. No, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. Okay, dig it. Skyler Evan? Yeah, I, I agree with that with Eric. No, I'm, I'm glad that he's having success now because that bullpen really needs it. Uh, but I don't want this giving them any ideas that, oh, he had success. Let's bring him back next year for the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Whereas at this point they need to you know, start shedding that age and these veterans and start letting the young guys come and commit to that rebuild that we all know needs to happen. But uh, in, in all general sense for this season, though, it's good to see. I know we, he struggled those first couple of months. And part of that, I think, is right now he's finally grown accustomed to that full bullpen you know, reliever status, whereas mm-hmm. you know, the last couple of years he was mostly still a rotation guy. And Milwaukee right. even – Know, fighting for a, a spot somewhere with the Yankees before he came over to us. Uh, or at the very least, an opener. For yeah, them. something like that where you know, the Rockies, you're going to be our long reliever. You know, and, and still come as a starter and then still having to come in you know, a little bit into the game and still trying to get that first pitch rhythm. You know, it, it, for those that have pitched, you know, it's really hard as a starter you know, to, to come in in, in the middle of a game, at least for me, it always was. In high school, sure. I always struggled when I had to come in in relief because it takes me about an inning to kind of get warmed up and find my pitches and everything. Whereas a really good reliever, they need to be ready to go from the get-go, from the first pitch. And you know, Chassin struggled with that those first couple of months, but I think he's finally kind of adopted that role and gotten comfortable with it to the point where Bud Black now can deploy him in the later mid to later innings to shut down a rally. Uh, and so that's it's really nice to see. And like we said, since June 1st, Chassin has had a 205 ERA. He gave up five runs in the month of Ju- in the month of June, had a clean month of July, even with that even that? with that little bout on the co- co- on the COVID list. Uh, right. but he's found that spot, he's found his rhythm, and he's comfortable out there in the bullpen, which is really nice to see. Yeah, man. It is awesome to see. I'm happy to have that resurgence. I'm glad you talked about how strong his June was, too. This is not a recent thing for Chassin. He has just continuously gotten better throughout the season. We talked about the July, but five runs in June, man, that is nothing to sneeze at. That's some serious uh, That's some serious efficiency. Evan, what you got on Chassin? So I think a big – I was actually not a huge fan of bringing back Chassin when it first happened because it was one of those non-move roster moves that the Rockies love to make. And then I was right. even less thrilled because they weren't using him like at all. So Julius would go like a week or two without pitching sometimes. And it was frustrating because it's like, you have so many rookies and young guys and he's taking up a roster spot. If you're not even going to use him because beginning of the season, he pitches April 2nd, doesn't pitch again for a week, doesn't pitch Pitches again on April 13th, doesn't pitch again for two weeks. Then pitches again later that same week and doesn't pitch again until, like, mid-May. And they just really weren't using him at all. And I think that also didn't help for him getting comfortable as a bullpen guy. Right. 
because you need those regular reps, you get rusty. But then, once we started using him actually frequently in the month of June is when he starts to settle down and become a really solid piece of the Rockies bullpen, which is something this bullpen is really, really needed. We don't have a lot of reliable guys, and he's been reliable. And I'm actually going to go against the grain with what you guys said, is I actually would like to see him back next year, especially if he continues pitching how he is now. Because we are definitely going to be shedding a lot of age, but even then, I think you still need at least one veteran guy to help the young guys learn and be a nice stability presence. And Julius Chassin has said that this is where he wants to be, that when he was cut from the Yankees after spring training, that he thought of going nowhere else but Colorado, that he wanted to come home. And the fact that he's another pitcher, it's like John Gray, he's a pitcher that wants to be here, can be comfortable pitching at altitude, but then can also be a veteran presence for all of these young guys that are coming up right now, because so many of our bullpen guys are going to get younger and younger. We have multiple rookies Mm -hmm. this year, and Justin Lawrence, and Ben Bowden, and Lucas Gilbreth, and we're going to see even more next year as we shed age mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. And he's not that old. Jaleese is only 33, compared to Daniel Bard is 36. He's, I think, if he can show throughout the rest of the season that he's got it in the tank and he can keep up this consistency, I'd love to have him back as an anchor for the rookies to learn from. Yeah, I'd just like to clarify real quick. It wasn't about Chassin specifically, because I I kind of agree with you, Evan. I think if he keeps this up, he is a good presence to have. It was more the philosophy of the Rockies bringing back other older guys. Not because of their age, but because they're previous Rockies. It's that loyalty thing that I think sometimes gets in the way for them. But I I do agree. The way Chassin's pitching, no problem bringing him back another year handful of years but it's it's that idea of okay let's look through our our past rosters who can we bring back and that i think can get them in trouble sometimes what's aaron cook and up that's to? a fair call out yeah for real <laughs> that's a fair call out eric i think we've seen a lot of that the past couple seasons and it has not worked out well for the rockies this is a rare w for them or at least right now but that's a fair thing to kind of be on the lookout for especially because we all joke or have been joking with some of the other roster moves uh, this year, so like David Dahl and Tony Walters were recently both released. Exactly. Mike Talkman got DFA'd, and we were all like, "When are the Rockies going to step in and bring them in?" Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, spot on. So we go from a pitcher brought back from the Rockies, a veteran who's starting to figure it out. We're going to take it to the total opposite direction. A lot of times on this podcast, we talk about these young stars that the Rockies have, and here's yet another one: Slam Hilliard. He has really popped off recently. He's uh, ingratiated himself into Rockies Twitter meme culture with the deal with it sunglasses that he has brought on to the Rockies team, which is a lot of fun. Uh, quick little uh, rundown of Sam Hilliard. Um, another guy, make the most of these opportunities. What do y'all got on Hilliard recently? He looks so much different than he did at the beginning of the season, where yeah. he was really, really struggling when he when he started the season in April. he His batting average got down to 108. He was striking out a ton. He Sam Hilliard, when he is on, has one of the most 
effortlessly powerful and beautiful swings I've ever seen. But when he's not on, you can tell when he's forcing it. His swing gets ugly and it gets forced. And that was what we were seeing in April. And when we sent him down to Albuquerque, I really think that was the best thing we could have done for him. He said himself that it really helped him get his mental part of his game together and help sort of rework his things. And now that he's back, he's found his swing. You watch him do these effortless home runs where he's not forcing the power. He just swings his beautiful natural swing and the power comes, making the pitcher give the majority of the power on his home run balls. And he looks confident. He looks relaxed. He looks like he's having fun, which he wasn't at the beginning of the season. And that is something I love to see. His average is still pretty low, but he had a big hole to climb out of. But he's slashing 255, 352, 617 since he returned to the lineup on June 16th with five home runs and only 16 strikeouts to seven walks. That is really really solid and you can tell he's having fun in the clubhouse with the the deal with its shades becoming a thing and having a good time with his teammates connor joe and brendan rogers and ryan mcmahon that he's really benefiting now from consistent playing time and i think he needs to be continuing to get this consistent playing time as he goes throughout the season because he's he's 27 he's not a prospect he's not a rookie this is one of those years where we need to be figuring out what we're doing with a lot of these guys as we start a rebuild <laughs> and now that he's finally almost got his average above the mendoza line after his streak starting on june 16th he's got positive b war he just looks better and I want to see him continue, and I think the only thing you can do is make sure he's getting consistent starts in the outfield. It doesn't matter where you put him, because he can play all three outfield positions. He's got the speed for center, and he can play left and right just fine. But it really is, just keep trotting him out here. If he is not playing every day, then almost every day. He's earning it at this point, and... I just love to see it from him, especially because he's such a nice guy. I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple times, and he's really, really nice, and he's really, really cool, and you just want to root for him. Even better. Love hearing stories about how these guys are as people. And so, yeah, to see his success right now is fantastic. Eric Schuyler, how about y'all? Yeah, not a ton to build off of that, but it's just... Kind of like Evan says, you got pretty much the two components when you're when you're a team that's definitely not making the playoffs. It's kind of how do you build for the future, and what we've seen from Hillier, that's like that's exciting, right? You see, okay, maybe he's he's piecing it together and he can be a part of this team going forward. And then he's having fun, right? Like you think these guys have, you know, fifty some games left, uh, two months, and they still want to have a good time. You know, you don't want them to be miserable. Even if they're out of the playoffs, you can still play some fun baseball, have a, have a good time, maybe play spoiler. When you're facing the Dodgers, the Giants, the Padres, uh, whoever else is in in the playoff picture, and mm-hmm. you know you bring that kind of energy, and that that goes a long way for the future too. You know, if you're you're a likable guy, yes, your on-field product is the most important, but that that's a huge part of it. And I think uh, as a Rockies fan, you just have to be excited on, on both sides of that. What you're seeing from him, absolutely, absolutely, Skyler. 
I think the thing to remember with Hilliard, though, at the beginning of the season, the problem, like I said, he wasn't playing regularly. He'd get a start, and then he'd go like five days of just being a pinch hitter, you know, in a blowout game in the top of the ninth, or where he's coming in to pinch hit. And that's where we saw all these strikeouts just because he couldn't get that rhythm at the plate, you know, trying in that pinch hit, that pinch hitter kind of, I guess, roll. you're trying to hit a home run. You know, and, and so he was trying to force that power. And then I think so sending him down to Albuquerque to get that regular playing time was so critical for him that he could kind of get that rhythm of taking that bat every single day, getting two to three to four at-bats every game, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of get that rhythm and then getting that call up you know, in the middle of July and then just finding himself in more of a starting role you know, with – Daza going on the COVID list and you know, all these other things, and he kind of cemented a spot for himself now where he can get more regular playing time because he's got the hot hand at the moment. And when I look at at uh, Sam Hilliard, he just reminds me of Joey Gallo so much. Just that, really? that nice, easy power from the left side where I will take as many home runs as Sam Hilliard can give me and the walks. And, yeah, he is kind of turning into that three true outcome type of player now where he's still going to strike out but if he can also counteract that with walks and just hitting long balls I think that's a spot that can play on the Rockies and he plays good defense Uh, and you look at Joey Gallo Joey Gallo is never going to hit for that high average but he's going to hit a ton of bombs and play stellar defense and really be a staple in a lineup and you know it, that's something that can play with the Rockies. Every team kind of mm-hmm. needs that different type of player role, and that's something Hilliard could fill. You know, it's just that guy that can come up and really be that true power threat. You know, if he gets a hold of one, he's going to drill one, and that can kind of help figure out his approach and everything and you know, learn his plate discipline of make, make them throw him a strike so he can just drill it and then wait and take the walks when he gets them. So, you know. If Hilliard could turn into Joey Gallo, I would be one happy camper. Oh, I will take that any day of the week. And they are both extremely handsome. Which is also critical as well. <laughs> um, excellent, guys. Yeah, man. Slam Hilliard, man. Let's keep it going with him. I want to see, you know, man, a, a, a Joey Gallo type, of course. Yes, please. All right. Let's get into the 2022 schedule. This is a pretty straightforward situation, right? We've got our schedule for next season. I guess really all I want from this one are anything that sticks out to you. Is there a series you're thinking it's going to be a lot of fun in particular? Is there, uh, you know, something that you feel is missing? Maybe any matchups that we're not going to see next year that you'd like to? Whatever you guys got on the 2022 schedule. Pretty straight up question. I think what stands out to me, it's it's kind of a repeat of this year, but that August 9th through 11th series with the Cardinals, they'll, they'll be back in town at Coors. And yeah. I wonder by then you're, you know, a year and a half plus removed from the Arenado trade. I wouldn't get my hopes up that the Rockies will be competing for a playoff spot at that point, but of course you never know. Uh, the Cardinals, tough to say with them, you know, that this season they've definitely underperformed, but maybe the Rockies will have lost story by then. I just wonder if it's going to have that same feel. I think for, for fans, we're always going to see Arenado and it'll, it'll be a little emotional, but you know, once we start to get further, it's no longer going to be first time back or first series mm-hmm. against Arenado and 
the Cardinals uniform. And I just I, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how how that seems. Is it going to feel like just a, a regular series and we'll still be disappointed when he comes up to bat? Or is it still going to, you know, cause some, some feelings to bubble up and, and really kind of hit home, which it obviously did this year, um, and then add on the All-Star game being in Colorado? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, I think. Just time of year also will be different. I, it should be, it'll be interesting. I'm not really sure what to expect. Hot take. Yeah, how about Skyler Evan? What do y'all have, <laughs> bro? I'm telling you, man, that's my that's my trash take with absolutely nothing to back it up. But that's my trash take, and I'm sticking to it. Never know, uh, Evan Skyler. What do y'all got? I, I'm excited to play against the American League Central again. Uh, at, that's I just love the interleague play, just because after so many years and so many losses, I get sick of just seeing the National League West so much. God, isn't and, that the truth? No, I kind of get sick of just the divisional opponent games so much. And so I just – I always look at the calendar. I'm like, all oh, right, they're playing you know, the Chicago White Sox during this series. That will be fun to watch uh, and, and things. And, you know, even when they play the other National League teams, uh, that would be a whole another rant of how they should fix scheduling and divisions and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. but I am just frustrated of how many games they play against the Dodgers – uh, seven of their first nine games are against the Dodgers. Yes, they are. So that'll be fun. <laughs> but, yeah, that'll be uh, tough for sure. So uh, that will be frustrating. But I look forward to playing against the American League Central and the Cleveland Guardians. Yes, yes. Getting to see Guardians in action in their first season of existence. That'll be pretty cool. Evan? Um, I, I want to reiterate what Skyler said. Who did we piss off to face the Dodgers <laughs> in seven of our first nine games. That's rough. A four-game series against L.A. to start, and then a three-game series against L.A. for our home opening series. But then what's really weird is we don't play them again until, like, the very end of June. And then yeah. after that, <laughs> we, play, we play them at the very end of June. We play them at the very end of July. And then we don't see them again until the final series of the season. So, I don't know. I guess it it, it kind of feels like we're getting our lumps in early, getting it out of the way. Uh, I'm also really looking forward to seeing the AL Central, especially the new Cleveland Guardians and the Twins. Uh, I think it's weird that we're playing the Rangers for interleague the third year in a row. I don't really know what's up with that. They're kind of like the every div team like has their like American League rival series, so we kind of alternate yeah. between like the Rangers and the Astros for that. Ours should yes. be the Mariners, though. Oh, it'd be a lot of the fun. Mariners, the Rockies, Mariners. Northwest. I'm a little they bummed are. that. So, if the whole COVID thing hadn't happened this year, we probably would have been been seeing the uh, AL East, uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, all that. And I think that would have been a whole lot of fun, but. I don't know. I like the schedule overall. I think it's going to be an interesting year. Solid. Yeah, not a whole lot of like big surprises. I think I'm with Skylar. I think it'll be cool to kind of see the Guardians play. Uh, I like their new logos. I like their new look. I think it's fun. I think it's different. Um, I want to grab some Guardian swag. Just I like that little baseball with the wings on. I think that's pretty cool. It's so a- yeah, I'm always around in the season history stuff like that apologies for for jumping in i will say i caught a, a game in cleveland uh two saturdays ago ago i believe so that would have been the day after they announced the guardians and 
You can bet they were doing a promotional day giving away Indians jerseys. Oh, sure. Because they got to get rid of all yeah. of I, I will say, I think it was pre-scheduled, but I am now the, I guess, unfortunate owner of a, an Indians jersey, Fran Mil Reyes, for free. So oh, there you wow. go. Get out for hey. free, though. That's, hey, yeah, that's right? my budget. No such thing as on. No such thing as unfortunate when it's free. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, you got a piece of history now, you know. Hang on to that thing. 30 years, I'll be a collector's Exactly. Item. That's right, man. Playing the long game. Alrighty, so with all that Rockies news finally being all wrapped up, let's get to a couple pretty light topics for the rest of Major League Baseball. Uh, we don't really have all that much going on past uh, what we talked about so much last week. Just a couple little general topics. First one being... The Field of Dreams, a really cool kind of historic opportunity for a couple teams to be playing at the Field of Dreams site. And anyone who has listened to this podcast knows we love talking uniforms. So we're going to talk about the Field of Dreams in general, but I also have got to get a take from y'all about the Field of Dreams uniforms. Specifically, how do they match up against the Amer- or excuse me, the All-Star Game uniforms of the American League and the National League? So really, open floor... Field of Dreams. Are you excited to watch the game? What do you think of the uniforms? What do you think of the concept in general? What do you got on Major League Baseball's Field of Dreams experience? I think I can I can take this one first if, if no one else wants it. But I mean I'm excited. It's been two years coming by now, right? This was obviously supposed to be yeah. during the pandemic uh, season, or what turned out to be the pandemic season. Obviously, didn't go through with it then. But I'm I'm definitely excited. I think. There's all this talk of how baseball can get new fans and kind of become more popular, and I think it's things like this that that at least show that effort, right? I think the Winter Classic and those outdoor games in hockey are always kind of those unique events, and I love those, and I think this kind of has that a great point. that feeling. And I just imagine you're, you know, you're Anthony Rizzo or you're Joey Gallo or one of these guys who just got traded to the Yankees or the White Sox for that matter, and suddenly you're you're playing in this game. You have to think they're pretty excited mm. that. That was not expected for them, and here they are suddenly. They'll be showing up. That's awesome. Skyler, you had something. Yeah, I couldn't tell the difference with the Yankees jersey. It just looked like their normal gray <laughs> away jersey. Uh, cool. Those White Sox ones are really cool. Uh, yeah. I love Field of Dreams, one of my favorite baseball movies, one of the only movies that makes me cry. Uh, and so it's just cool. I would love if they showed on TV and there's the field's just blank, but they're claiming oh, that there's yeah. people on there. Uh, that because, would be crazy. Because then none of us believe, so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Field of Dreams thing, really cool. Uh, I wish I could go. That's one of my dreams is to go see the Field of Dreams. Uh, Absolutely. But, you know, uniforms look good. Uh, it'll be a fun thing. I don't know if I'll watch. just depends on what time. I don't like watching the Yankees that much. Uh, <laughs> But so those White Sox jerseys, very good. Very good. Real quick, before we get to Evan. Evan and Eric, you've both seen Field of Dreams, right? Of course. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Eric? I wish you hadn't gone back and asked. <laughs> no way. No, I'm, getting, I'm losing my job here, aren't I? They're kicking me off. Oh, brother. Required viewing. I know, I'm get, Required viewing. The view. plan was... Uh, when I realized this, I was looking at the jersey the other day. I'm like, okay, no, I really need to do this once and for all. And so it's, it's it's on the list. It's it's coming. It's on the calendar. I think I think I can get it before the game. That's that's the point. I'm like, if I can do it before then, 
Okay. Yeah, Eric, there that's you your homework. You need to watch this movie before the film. There it is. E- edit this Eric out. Edit it out, I swear. No, just kidding. No, it's it's staying in. This is and all staying it's in. in. <laughs> it's on the internet. It's there forever. That's, that is hysterical. All right, Evan, what's your take, bud? Uh, so, first of all, Skylar, the difference for the uniform, since you were like, oh, I can't tell the difference, is the... New York Yankees jersey, I believe, is supposed to be like the 40s version, though it really has not changed much since then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it said that their away uniform said New York on it in that Navy font since like 1943. What I wish they had done is done the road grays that say Yankees on it from the 20s or gone way, way back and done like that solid Navy blue from the early 1900s. That would have been really cool, but you know the Yankees have one of like the least changing looks in all of baseball, so I don't think it really matters what they do. The big one, that White Sox jersey, is gorgeous. It is so good. So that's based off of the um, the White Sox jerseys from the mid um, 1910s to 1920s with that S and OX uh, in the inside the S logo. It looks great. I I got to buy me one of those, even though I don't have any money right now. <laughs> um, but I am really looking forward to the Field of Dreams game. I think it's really cool that they're doing it. Like you said, long time coming. Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies. Uh, the speech that James Earl Jones makes in that movie is one of my favorite oh. speeches about baseball of all time. Oh, I can hear it in my head. Uh, yeah, the, the people will come, Ray. People oh, will most man. definitely come. That is so good. And we're not gonna start crying to this podcast episode. Don't you start I don't know. <laughs> too late. Brother, I swear. <laughs> Dad, can I play catch with you? <laughs> oh no, don't you don't. No, I'm moving okay, changing subjects before we get to a little bit uh, teary eyed. The, the only thing I want to say, just because my I was talking to my sister and she uh, reminded me of this, is one time I rented a VHS copy of Field of Dreams from my local library when I was a kid. And the version I brought home was the uh, version for the blind and visually impaired that had, like, extra narration over it. And that was a really interesting experience. Because it was like, Ray jolts up in the middle of the night. He's wearing a white tank top and looks distressed. And I'm like, huh, that's neat. (laughs) <laughs> I guess he does. He does look distressed. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I also am with y'all. I think those White Sox jerseys are too fresh. I think they're so good. I think that the White Sox have really – and maybe I'm biased here because they're kind of like my secondary team. But I think that in a season where we've seen all kinds of uniforms um, and jerseys be changed up and offered to the public, I think the White Sox have been overwhelmingly positive. So the South Side jerseys are fresh. I think these are just as good. I love them. I think they're awesome. I want to grab one. I want to grab a hat. I'm a big hat guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they're killing that. And I think the Field of Dreams is a great concept. I'm really glad Eric mentioned the NHL outdoor game and things like that because it is. It's so different. It's so cool, and it's a great way to get, like, a casual fan, right? Maybe there's someone who just watched the movie Field of Dreams and likes it because it's a great movie, hint, hint, and just wants to go catch a game. (laughs) They want to go catch the game it's based on. This is a great opportunity to do that. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Last little bit of news here. Quick one. I'm going to end it on a pretty uh, international note, and that is the Olympic baseball team 
The USA will be matching up with Japan in a rematch, actually, from the last Olympics for the gold medal. Have you guys been watching? Anything stuck out to you? Are you excited for the game? Again, pretty open-ended question on this one. What are you guys feeling about Olympic baseball in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't caught much. It's the, the time zones, obviously, are tricky with these Olympics, but it's right. the U.S., I mean, results alone, and highlight, they, they're looking good. Uh, but the one loss, right? They're, they're four and one in in the tournament, right. and the one loss was to Japan. So seven seven six and extras. But I, two good teams. Can't imagine it'll be anything but a great game. And it's always always fun when it's the Olympics. You you got the international teams going, and even if I haven't seen much, it's it it's just a good time. It's different, right? And it's, it, it's always fun. Absolutely, dig it, Skylar and Evan. I also haven't been able to watch that much. It really is just the time zones are tricky. It's the reason why I don't get to watch much Japanese baseball anymore is that I can't really be awake at 4 a.m. to be watching a baseball game. I'm an adult <laughs> with things to do. Um, sure. But I've, from what I've seen, I've enjoyed it, especially considering the fact that the U.S. is doing so well despite the fact that it's mostly a, a team of has-beens and former players with a couple of prospects thrown in that we still have been doing pretty okay. Uh, that extra innings loss to Japan was cool. I don't like their extra innings rules. I think starting with a runner on first and second is absolutely ridiculous. That's weird, isn't and it? And this is coming from someone who already thinks that the ghost runner on second that we're doing in MLB this year and last year is terrible. Uh, so I don't like that at all. But it's been really cool, and Samurai Japan's been awesome to watch because they actually halted their professional season so that pro players could go and be on the Olympic team, uh, which the MLB didn't do. Um, would have been cool if they did, but it's been, it's been great to watch the, um, the bronze medal match between South Korea and the D Dominican Republic is tonight. Uh, I'm going to try and watch that if I can, just because I probably won't be able to catch the gold medal match live, but it's been great. And I wish that they would keep baseball in the Olympics. It's such a bummer that they're not bringing it back next time. Yeah. It is true. I do also wish, although I am also on record saying that I do really love the World Baseball Classic, so as long as we get that, I'm okay with it. Skyler? Uh, it's just fun to see. Uh, it's The gold medal matchup was kind of what I expected it was going to be because uh, it usually ends up being like the U.S. and Japan. And so it's good luck to, good luck to the U.S. Uh, shout out some of these guys, especially Eddie Alvarez, who's going to be like think the first men's u.s athlete to medal or like one of them his record of earning a medal in both the winter and summer olympics just want to cool he's one of very few people to have ever done that uh, for the u.s cool. and then yeah it's cool some of these guys tyler austin who i think believe is currently playing in japan uh for this season playing on team usa and he's pretty much been the best hitter for him and some of that pitching's been really good. Like Scott Casimir had a really good start. Joe Ryan's been doing really good. So mm -hmm. it'll be a good matchup between those two teams. Unfortunately, I probably won't be able to watch it. Who y'all got taking the gold medal? I'm going to say U.S. upsets Japan and wins their first gold medal in baseball since 2000. So Evan says 
We got the USA going over. Skyler and Eric, you both said Japan. No, I'm I'm going US too. Japan won one against the US this uh, this set. Let's uh, let's go one and one. I'll, I'll give it to the US. <laughs> right on. Very very well, logical uh, uh, analysis there. <laughs> it's based in facts. And it's numbers. like that time uh, the Rockies said they were going to win. What was it 90, 92 games? Because road to ninety four. Ninety four, where they interpolated go. the numbers. Yes, I just interpolated right. Olympic baseball, and US is going to win. I like it. <laughs> That's that critical analysis you come here from. Man. There you go. Japan has that Skyler, home field advantage. Japan has that home field advantage. Uh huh. That's true. That's a good point. That's a great. It's point. a great samurai we'll Japan see, team. They got a lot of representation from quality players they got a lot of guys from hiroshima on there which is neat mm. like uh ryoji oh, i'm gonna butcher his last name it's like no, K- kudabayashi ryoji who's one of the good pitchers for hiroshima um they got a good team it's been it's been cool yeah it has been cool it's always fun to see baseball like we said on an international stage like it's a blast and it's cool to see so many people who would not otherwise be watching get into it and that's it. That is our rundown of everything for this week. We, unfortunately, are about out of time here. But before we go, I do want to give everyone an opportunity to plug themselves. So, Evan, where can the people find you on Twitter? My Twitter is at Evan underscore Lang 27. I'd love to hear from you. It's always nice to talk shop on Twitter. You can also hit us up at the Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. Excelente. And Skyler? Find me at at sideline underscore crowd. Perfect. And then, Eric, thank you so much for hanging with us, man. We really appreciate you being here. Where can the fans get at you on Twitter? Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. I had a, I had a blast. Uh, it's at E underscore Fayel, which is my last name, F-A-Y-E-U-L-L-E. You're probably better off going to the Purple Row website and finding it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And just a quick little last plug for myself is at Cormac Battle Pro, C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. Come talk to me about beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, rest in peace to one of the greatest to ever place him up. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us here on Purple Row's Affected by Altitude podcast. Keep your eyes on the website, purplerow.com, for all Rockies news, updates, articles every single day, multiple times a day. And we'll catch you all here, same bat time, same bat channel next week. Skylar, hit him with it. Farewell. And we're out. Thanks, y'all.